John, John chapter 16. John chapter 16. And verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. When he has come, he will reprove the world of sin, and of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and ye see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. He shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine, therefore said I, that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. So this afternoon we're looking at the person of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your word, and thank you that we have preserved Word of God in our own language that we can study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We thank you that we have confined comfort and strength and courage in your word and stability for life. And we pray that you would help us as we look into the, your word this afternoon and consider the subject of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. We pray that you would be glorified, we'd be helped we be sensitive and submissive to his leading in our lives and his conviction, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a lot of confusion about the person of the Holy Spirit and different ideas, and this is not, as we've heard in the Sons of Class, you know, we're talking about sons of God marrying daughters of men, and, you know, the bottom line, the end of that conclusion is, it's really not important. What view you take, it's not going to change much, or if anything. However, this is important. How you view the Holy Spirit has great effect in your life. For example, Barna said that 55% of, quote, born-again, unquote, Christians reject the existence of the Holy Spirit. They just say they're symbols of God's presence and power, but not a living entity. Now, Look at Romans chapter nine, chapter 8 and verse 9. Now, if, they, if 55% of these, quote, born-again Christians don't believe or reject the existence of the Holy Spirit, are they Christians? Well, according to Romans chapter 8 and verse 9, it says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be the Spirit of God dwell in you. If, now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So if you're without the Spirit of God, by the way, we noticed this morning that we are saved by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. So it's the Holy Ghost that brings about the new birth. Brings about the new birth. And then, according to... Ephesians, of course, Jesus talking here in the Gospels also, he mentioned it quite often, that he will dwell with you. Ephesians says he's the earnest, calls him the earnest of the Spirit, and he will uh, um, 
trying to remember the wording. Ephesians 4.30 um, says, Grieve not the Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. So, uh, so we're talking about something that indwells a saved person, so brings about the new birth, and then takes up residence. Um, Spirit takes up residence in the believer uh, until the inheritance of the purchased possession, till we go to be with the Lord. So, so to say that I reject the Holy Spirit as a person is to really say, I'm not a Christian in the Bible sense. You know, there's a lot of people that call it, in this world that call themselves Christians that are not. It's, it's, uh, um, it's a term that's been defiled by much of the world. You know, Christendom is, is really apostasy. But anyway, uh, you know, and though we don't emphasize the spirit like Charismatics or Pentecostals, we do believe that the Spirit of God has a powerful impact in the world today. And his primary work is to glorify Christ, to convict men of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. But he is, first of all, he is a person. He's a person. In verse 7 he says, Nevertheless, Jesus speaking, Nevertheless I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness of judgment. Uh, verse 13, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. Whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. He will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore I said that he will, shall take of mine and shall show it Unto you. So over and over, Jesus refers to him as a he, him, you know, as, and those are personal pronouns. He is not an impersonal force. Uh, you know, he is a person. He is, the, he is the third person of the Trinity or of the Godhead, uh, as defined in 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 14. 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 14. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, Paul says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. And then in 1 John 5, 7, of course, you know, liberals and those that deny the true text of the Bible want to take this verse out of the Bible, but, but it's, it's uh, proper that it's there. It says, There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and threes, these three are one. So, so the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, really is, He's God. He's a person of the Godhead. He's co-equal, co-eternal with the Father and with the Son. Uh, and and so, so He is God, part of what we call or refer to as the Trinity. Uh, sometimes He's emphasized in ways or referred to in ways that emphasizes His personality and His character. You know, and, and he's referred to as the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost. You know, I heard a guy one time try to make a big deal out about you know, the name Holy Ghost, the name Holy Spirit. Well, I hate to tell you, but there's really no difference. It's the same, it's the same person. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, and I'm not a, a good enough Greek scholar. Maybe Bradley and Nathan could help you later on, later on with why he's referred to as the Holy Ghost sometimes and the Holy Spirit others. Anyway, 
Uh, but anyhow, um, but but he is a person, and he does um, have he does have uh, influence over people or works through people. And of course, he is a spirit. We see this in Second Peter one and verse twenty one. Second Peter one verse twenty one. Where the Bible says, Prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but the holy man of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So that word moved there means that they were carried along, sort of like the wind moves a ship because the sails catch the wind. And so these men were under the leading of the Holy Spirit and, and the person of the Holy Spirit. And, and of course, Jesus told us in John 16 that when the Spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. And, of course, this not only speaks about the fact that he guides us into a right understanding of God's word. He is our divine teacher. But it also gives us the idea that, that the Spirit of God would guide these men as to what to write. To give us the inspire record. And, you know, he is not isolated by himself. Now, sometimes people have this idea, well, you know, he's inferior because Jesus said he would speak of me, he would glorify me, he would not speak of himself. No, he's not inferior. That's just the nature of his person and, and his, and his uh, um, responsibilities that, that were given to him. So, so he sometimes he refers to a way which emphasizes work and power. He's the spirit of truth. He's our teacher, John 3, 6, or 16, 13 here. He's also referred to as a comforter uh, in verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And, you know, talking about Linda and her testimony this, here this afternoon, you know, how the Word of God, when, when you're troubled about something, you can go to the Word of God and find comfort. Well, it's the Spirit of God that directs us in the Word of God and, and gives us understanding of the Word of God. And, and He, along with the Word of God, uh, is our comforter, our helper. That word comforter means helper. He's an advocate. He's an encourager. Uh, you know, and sometimes, so, so He... So he, he is a comforter and, and helps us in that way. Sometimes he speaks. Now you say, oh, wait a minute, preacher, you're getting... No, 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 not. Um, go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Actually, go to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. And verse 20, verse 5. Acts chapter 8, verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. And I'm not going to read more for sake of time, but you know the Lord was saving souls there, and people were being baptized, and the church was being established, and so on. And then verse 26, so in the middle of that, in verse 26 it says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. So, and then in verse, 
it says, we're returning and sitting in his chair, it read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. Now, First uh, Timothy four one says the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times many shall depart from the faith. Now, so how does the Spirit speak? Well, put yourself in Philip's situation here. So he's he's out in the desert and there's a chariot going by and he's hearing this guy reading Isaiah fifty three. Now, if you're a spiritual person. I know what I would want to do. I know what would come to my mind right away. Hey, I'd go talk to that guy. Now, what would put in your mind to go talk to that guy? Your human nature? No, not your human nature. The Spirit of God. When I hear somebody say something spiritual, immediately I'm drawn to that. And why is that? I believe it's the Spirit of God directing. And, and, and so I don't, I don't think necessarily that you know, there's this, this voice you hear from heaven. But the Spirit of God prompts you. In fact, the Bible says that, that he convicts. So that word convict there may, kind of means has the idea of set a weight on or to make you uncomfortable uh, or to reprove. But he also, you know, he leads us or he directs us. So how does he do that? Well, it's sort of like, it's sort of like, uh, you know, if you were, if you were, uh, you know, if you were sitting in a pew and your your wife was next to you and and um, and you know, she wanted you to say something, and you're just sitting there and she kind of go. Like that. What's she doing? Prompting you. Prompting you. Or, you know, your kids may be acting up and you prompt them to, you know, straighten up. You know, what you're doing is you're prompting them. And the Spirit of God, if He dwells within us, if He's a real person, it says He bears witness with our spirit. So if we are walking with the Lord, He's going to bear witness or He's going to prompt us or He's going to lead us and prompt us to respond. And I believe this is what Philip did here. The Spirit prompted him or said to him, and that's what the word it uses, said to him, go near and join yourself to this chariot. And so he does. Then he asks, understand us well thou what thou readest. So he does speak in Acts chapter 13. We see another example in verses 1 and 2. Now they were in the church that was at Antioch, certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manaen which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. So these, these men, now understand, they're just not going about everyday activities. They're, they have a focus on, on ministry for the Lord, and they're fasting. So fasting means they're seeking the Lord's direction. There's a specific direction here, seeking. Uh, the, you know, they're, they're fasting, denying themselves, and you know that, that carries with it the idea of, of really seeking the Lord's guidance. And so, and it says, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul. So again, I believe they were prompted 
by the Spirit of God because they were, they were walking in the Spirit, they were seeking the, the Spirit's guidance and wisdom for concerning the ministry of this church at Antioch, and so the Spirit lays his finger on Barnabas and Saul and says, separate me for the work whereunto I have called them. So he does. You know, these, again, these men had met the qualifications. Of course, they were already in the pastoral staff there. And so, so God, the Spirit of God, was directing. You know, uh, here some time ago, um, I don't know if it was, I don't know, think it was here. Pastor Mitchell was talking about how, Pastor Bob Mitchell was talking about how he, he left the church one day and he thought about going home and getting something to eat. And he just felt like, oh, I'm going to drive, down, drive downtown. And, and he drove downtown into this restaurant he usually doesn't go to. But he just felt like that's where he should go. So he went to this restaurant he usually doesn't go to. And, and he sat down at a table and across the other table was this guy with long hair setting. And he began to have a conversation with him. And he had an hour and a half conversation with him. Then the man started coming to church. And when Pastor Webb was up there last spring, the man got saved. See, the Spirit of God prompted him or directed him to go. Um, and so the Spirit does. He, again, he bears witness with our spirit. And, and so... Uh, we see further that his purpose in the world is explained for us in John chapter 16, where he says in verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient. In other words, it's better for you if I go away. Now, as much as they didn't want the Lord to leave them, he says, It's better for you, expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. When he has come, he will prove the world of sin, of righteousness, of judgment. Of sin because they believe on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father, and you shall see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. So this, the, the, God, the Spirit of God's purpose in the world is to convince the world of their sin through us. Notice again, the last, fra- the last phrase in that verse 7, I will send him unto you. See, the residence of the Spirit of God in the world is in us. That's where he is. That's his dwelling in the world. And so, you know, we are his feet. We're his instruments. We're his mouthpieces. Uh, We're his actions. That's kind of convicting, isn't it, to think that we're his actions. Um, you know, we're his instruments. Look at Matthew 5, verse 14 through 16. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So, so we are his feet. We are, the, we are the light, God's light to the world. You know, Jesus is the light of the world, but we are like little lights shining forth 
with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. So, so we're His instruments. The Spirit of God is the light of God that dwells in us. And we take Him into the world. Uh, we take Him into the world. And of course, you know, it's through us that, that, that the, the Lord, the Spirit of God, convinces the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. By the words we say and the things we do. I, I never forget the illustration that Pastor Webb gave years ago about how when he was in college, he was working a summer job, and I think it was like some landscaping or something, and this was in, um, yeah, in Greenville, South Carolina, where the, uh, you know, his, he, he'll, I'm really going to be in trouble for this because I can't remember the, his football team's name. Clemson Tigers, you know. So down in Clemson. So, you know. Anyway, <laughs> I know I'm going to be in big trouble for that. But, but you know, he, it was down there in South Carolina, hot. And he's there working, and there's this guy supposed to be working with him, sitting under the shade tree, sipping tea or lemonade or something. And he said, the guy said to him, I hate you. Because he's an embarrassment to him. He convicted him because he had a work ethic. He was doing what was right. And see, your conduct or your words are what the Lord uses to convict the world or sinners of their sin. They're not going to find it. They're not going to hear it any other way. In fact, look at Acts chapter 1. What did Jesus say? If I had not come, he said to the Pharisees, if I had not come, they had not known sin. Okay? Now think about that, that thought a little bit. And then look at Acts chapter 1 in verse 1. The former treatise, Have I made oath the office of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach on the day which he was taken up. After that, he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. To whom also... He showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, being assembled together with them, commanded them they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall baptize with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? He saith unto them, It is not for you to know the times and the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. In other words, that's not important right now. What is, is this, which ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. So what Jesus began to do, preaching the gospel, convincing men of sin and their need of a Savior, the Holy Spirit, through His disciples, they were to wait till He indwelled them, till they received His power. They were to wait till then to go into all the world with the gospel. So they were then to be to to continue what He had begun. So again, He convinces uh, the world of sin, righteousness, judgment, come through us. Um. So understand when sometimes the world feels like we rub them the wrong way. 
if you weren't a, a child of God, you probably wouldn't rub them the wrong way. You know. But, you know, the Spirit of God works through us. So we're His instruments. We are set for the defense of the gospel. We, are, we have a seal of His, of his ownership. Uh, he will guide us into all truth. He shows us the way. He will empower us to, to, to affect by the word and by deed. So, so again, we're to be directed by him. And, and uh, we're given the spirit so that we can understand his truth. Look at 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. 1 Corinthians 2, 3 and 4. And... I'll just read verse, uh, let's just read verse uh, uh, 9 through 12. It says, But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things that which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So we compare scripture with scripture. Line upon line, precept upon precept. That's how we come to right doctrinal conclusions. The natural man, verse 14, receiveth not the things of the spirit of God, they, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And, you know, if you think about it, Christendom today, quote-unquote, in our world, if 55% of those who profess to be born-again Christians don't believe in the Spirit, is it any wonder the kind of, quote-unquote, Christianity we see in our world today? Because they don't even understand the truth. They don't really understand repentance. In fact, they want to throw that out. I want to throw that out. Um, no, because we can't understand. I remember a missionary. He was a missionary to Alaska. Bill Zimmers, great big old truck driver. He went to church all his life. He got saved when he was thirty-nine. He said, "I read the book, the Bible, every day of my life." And he said, "Until I got saved, I thought it's the dumbest book I ever read." He said, "I didn't understand it. It didn't make any sense." You see, the Spirit of God gives us understanding into His truth, into His truth. And so, you know, and He will guide us into all truth. And, uh, and so, there's a few more things I have here, but we're going to stop there for now. But he, he is a person. He dwells within us. And two things I want to leave you with. Spirit, the Bible says, grieve not the Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed in the day of redemption. How do you grieve the Spirit? Well, to grieve to grieve means to make uneasy. You know, we make him uneasy by carnal living, by wrong actions, wrong speech, Christian cursing. It's not Christian. Uh, we can also quench the Spirit. That means we can stifle Him or suppress His influence. Samson quenched the Spirit. 
by his continual um, uh, progression into sin. He quenched the spirit. And so we, we should desire the spirit of God to work through us. If we want to see the power of God demonstrated in our lives, we have to walk with the spirit. We have to be sensitive to the spirit. We have to be allowing the spirit to bear witness and lead us and guide us into all truth uh, for his glory and for his honor. And that, w- that our witness may be effective in this world uh, with those we come in contact with.